0: What drives transactional value is being able to sit down and have a conversation with somebody and understand them, look them in the eye. Because you don't do business with companies, you do business with people. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really kind of a core tenant of our, our event design is to really create the, those, those opportunities for people to connect on a meaningful level, have space throughout the event for them to sit down and grab conversations When you walk into our registration area, we have a massive bar set up. We have soft seating, we have foosball tables. We're gonna bring in local (laughs) entertainers to play guitar and Mm -hmm. saxophone and and just really create a a really cool energy and and vibe throughout the whole show.
1: This is Lit & Lucid, your after work de-stress smoke sesh podcast.
2: I'm your host Lit.
1: And I'm your host Lucid, and we're gonna take you on a journey
2: a journey to discover the truth and find the balance
1: every week we get deep on those thought provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe
2: but we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture
1: so kick back
2: consume your favorite cannabis products and get cozy Cozy in the the lit
1: and lucid lucid lifestyle. lifestyle
2: Welcome, you guys. We are in season 13 of the show. Can you believe it, Jared? We have made it to season 13.
1: I know. I was a little nervous about 13. I mean, it's usually considered like a, an unlucky number, but I don't know. I've never really had any any bad experiences with thirteen. I'm almost gonna say you know 2020 is probably gonna be like the the cringe number that we all think of now <laughs> going forward. So so I don't know. I have big hopes for season number thirteen, and you know we've put down 130 episodes already. I never thought that we'd cross the 100 threshold, but we've uh, since blown past it.
2: We have, and we've talked to so many people. You guys from. All over the U.S. and Canada, we have unpacked so many different topics from cannabis and CBD to mushrooms and psychedelics. We have really just had the full gamut here of experiences for our listeners. So we appreciate you all for tuning in and being a part of this Lit and Lucid journey with us. Today, we have a very special guest. We are opening the season with George Jage. He is the co-founder and CEO of Jage Media. Jage Media produces MJ Unpacked. We're gonna learn a lot about this trade show today, you guys, I'm sure, you know, if you're a cannabis, somebody in the cannabis industry, I'm sure you've heard of MJ Biz and have probably gone to it out in Las Vegas, but we are gonna learn about a new trade show today, you guys, that is hitting the market in Vegas this year. Uh, It is the first cannabis CPG trade show event created to drive commerce and integrate access to capital. George has a proven track record as a leader in the cannabis industry, as the president of MJ Biz Daily from 2014 to 2017 during their time of considerable growth, as well as being the CEO of Dope Magazine from 2017 to 2019, leading the company to its acquisition by high times. So we're super excited to learn from a seasoned vet today in the cannabis industry about his past experiences and those have, how those have led him to his journey today with Jage Media. So with that, welcome, George.
0: Thank you so much, Lucy. Really appreciate being here. And Jared, actually, 13 considered lucky by more people uh, in the world than unlucky. So, um, <laughs> See, th- I'm lucky. I'm excited to be your debut guest here on season 13.
1: I love it. I knew it was a thing. I mean, I've never had a bad experience with this. So I feel like it's like the like reverse psychology for everybody. They're like, no, don't believe in the number 13. It's scary. <laughs> Well, cool. Well, before we get too much into your background and your story and kind of all these wonderful things you're doing today, we always like to uh, to start the show with a little bit of an icebreaker. So we're going to carry on that tradition. So, George, are you a cannabis consumer yourself?
0: Uh, uh, yes. Um, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, when I did get in the cannabis space, I kind of, you know, realized that this was the... Summation of my life experiences: building companies, trade shows, but also uh, going back to when I was 15 years old and had an herbal distribution business um, <laughs> while I worked uh, evenings at the uh, gas station across from the police shop um, back in hometown. So yes, I, I I've got a relationship with the plant. Um, there was a period of time where I, I really didn't, you know, use cannabis in my life as I was kind of, you know, emerging out of college and trying to, uh, make a living in the world. Um, but, uh, certainly when I got back in the cannabis space and and it got really cool, right. Um, the types of products that they have out there, um, you know, the, the promise of legal weed of, you know, knowing that your product hasn't been sprayed with pesticides and that, you know, you know how much THC contents in there. Mm -hmm. Um, it's pretty cool place to, to, to be in right now.
1: Right. I'm glad you said that, too, because that's that's one of the beauties of this icebreaker is that, you know, there's so many products nowadays that everybody almost has like a way easier route to just say yes than they did 20 years ago. Because uh, I feel like 20 years ago, it was like, are you a cannabis consumer? And everybody would just assume that you're over there, you know, ripping the bong or smoking a joint. And nowadays, you could just be, you know, like taking a, you know, a CBD tincture or like half an ointment or something that's non-psychoactive and you can still be a cannabis consumer. So it's certainly... Yeah, I
0: remember okay. I was... Just reminiscing with somebody the other day, when I was a in college in my dorm room in the freshman year, um, I had a a three foot graphic G graphics bong, and then (laughs) my my roommate my roommate's like I'm gonna get a bong. I'm like, no, no, get a three foot extension for our (laughs) bong. We'll just share this one. So we'd have to sit on the top bunk to take hits, and the guy (laughs) in the bottom bunk would have to light it. Um, Oh man, I never got those. Yeah, there's
1: always. (laughs) I've, I've done one of those, too, and it's always like a two-person team, and I feel like everybody always tries to like extend their arm way out there and like light it, and it never works you, out. Do
0: you guys remember what blow tubes were? No. No. So we used to take two-liter bottles of soda and punch out holes in the bottom and then stuff it with dryer sheets so that when we're done <laughs> oh taking my the gosh. hit, you blow it through the blow tube, and it gets rid of the, the smell so you don't get busted by the RA. There you go. See, that's
2: what I was just thinking when you said the extension tube or whatever for the bong that you were like putting it out the window to like extend the smoke <laughs> out or something.
0: <laughs> That'd be a good time.
2: Oh, that's
0: I don't know. That's great. We're we'll we on the second floor, so I think we would have probably needed about another 10 feet. We could have probably dropped it out the window. <laughs> there you go. That's oh, fun.
2: That's so funny. Well, you know, you've been revered as a B2B growth specialist, being able to identify wow. new opportunities in <laughs> emerging industries. So why don't you tell us a a little bit more about your past and kind of how we've gotten to today?
0: Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, when I got out of college, I, I got a degree in microbiology. I just, I've always had an affinity to science and, um, you know, worked as a brewmaster in a brew pub. I worked as a summer intern at Paps Blue Ribbon. That was mm-hmm. uh, uh, entertaining. Yeah, little PBR. Fun. I used to be able to buy cases as an employee for like two bucks. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> that was when Pabst wasn't, didn't have quite the <laughs> reputation. It does stay in and, and I don't think they're selling their 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 cannabis uh, paps uh, for two bucks a case either yet. So, oh. um, but um, I got out of school and 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 really just you know uh, my dad was in a position where he needed some help with his business. Um, uh, was going through some challenges. Um, he was a off-price liquidator, so he would you know buy odd lots or end-of-season goods from major manufacturers and then resell them to the TJ Maxx and a lot of. Small off-price retailers. And there was, you know, a couple dozen of these companies that would always set up shop um, during the big manufacturer show that was held in Las Vegas every year. And they were on the on the precipice of losing the space that they had exhibited at for the last, you know, 10 years. Um, so we ended up starting a trade show for the off-price apparel industry um, at the Debbie Reynolds Hotel Casino and Movie Museum, which was down the street from the convention center. <laughs> um, some may know it as the old paddle wheel. At one point, it was a WWF hotel. Oh, wow. Vince McMahon owned And, um, you know, I was hooked. Um, it was just so exciting to be able to bring people together. And in, in that particular event, um, and because these companies had inventory in their warehouse that they were reselling, you know, some of these companies did 80 percent of their annual sales at our two shows a year. Wow. Um, and so, you know, we were able to really drive commerce for these companies. It's a very hard, hardcore order writing show, as they would say, in the trade show space. And um, we were able to successfully grow that show um, to um, close to 185,000 square feet of space. Um, because the, convent, the convention center was occupied by the big manufacturer show, we ended up doing this show in a tent structure. So the last show I produced for that company um, before we sold it was a 185,000 square foot tent in Las wow. Vegas. When it was 120 degrees outside, we had four megawatts of generated power. We had like fuel trucks, like literally coming by every hour to fill up our
1: Holy cow. generators.
0: And we had 2,800 tons of air conditioning, just free blowing into the tent structure just to keep it moderately cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, one, of, one of the, oh one gosh. of the, um, one of the techs had a laser gun that could measure temperature. So like if, the top of the tent is where all the heat went. So like up there, it was like 180 degrees. Oh temperature. So you just had to kind of keep forcing the cool air down and pushing the hot air up. Um, but the asphalt measured at 153 degrees.
1: Oh my gosh. Talk about logistics. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: So um, Yeah. I had some really interesting uh, uh, learning experiences. I mean, I've had, you know, trailers catch on fire I've been locked in the trailer with union guys for four hours being shaken down I oh my gosh had steel beams fall from the ceiling and almost kill people I've had to break up fist fights um, you know it was it was a lot of fun um, <laughs> but um, after, after after we sold that business and I ran it for a couple of years I was living in Wisconsin and you know I really wanted to, to move to New York um, and maybe uh, get a job in the financial markets and um, lost a very dear friend. The trade center blew up. Nobody was moving to New York. So I decided to move to Vegas instead. I had a pretty good network of friends there. Um, I started a couple of different businesses, um, just completely random stuff. I, I was helping this uh, company from Australia sell personal bottles of oxygen as an interim amenity in the uh, <laughs> hotels in Las Vegas. That's fun. Um, I started importing patio furniture from China. I spent like four weeks, like Literally traveling around China, going to factories and buying patio furniture by the container load. I love it. Um, to sell direct to the public. And somebody had asked me if there was a trade show for the tea industry. And I knew nothing about tea at the time. Um, but it just, for some reason, it just kind of got stuck in my brain. And I started looking at it and researching it. And I saw that, you know, there was a, certainly a healthy tea market in the United States, but, you know, most of the companies would exhibit at coffee shows or at, mm food shows or restaurant shows, and there really wasn't a home for their own. Um, So we launched the first ever trade show for the tea industry in the United States, and it became the biggest trade show in the world for the tea industry. Uh, It was called World Tea Expo. Um, We built an online learning platform to train people to become tea sommeliers. We had a global tea championship um, that people all over the world sent us teas, and we brought in professional tasters and graded and evaluated that was tied into a world tea rating system that was kind of like a Parker wine rating system for tea. Cool. Um, and um, yeah, and we had an online, you know, content platform and news so we could keep people up to date what what's happening in the industry. Um, it was an amazing business and, and that industry, you know, from when we started, you know, the tea section of your grocery aisle was Tetley, Twinings or Lipton. And by the time we were done, I mean, there was, you know, 400 different tea options that you could buy at a grocery store um tea rooms had popped up all over the country and yeah. um it was it was a fun show i definitely be, you know while i knew nothing when i came in i am a total tea snob now
1: <laughs> i love it yeah especially i mean if you're setting up like like tastings and sommeliers and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Well, and
0: wife, that stuff well my wife kim was my partner in this business um you know i met her as a course of that and she ran that company with me and she was really um you know the driving force between a lot of the competitions and the education platforms and Um, Yeah, I mean, she's got a great palate herself. um, So she actually, you know, probably would be qualified to be a professional tea taster today. So
1: that's awesome. That's what kind of my next note was kind of talking about how, uh, you know, the experience with the teas kind of lended you well and probably gave you a lot of experience in the cannabis industry. But one little footnote I want to make is like, I didn't expect you guys to steal like sommeliers and like all these like tea testing, like rating stuff. I mean, that's almost exactly what we're already seeing at cannabis. It's almost like
0: for yeah, for sure. Really. Yeah. There, there was so many parallels. So um, we sold the world tea expo um, to a company here in the United States, F and W media. Um, we helped them um, kind of integrate it into their portfolio. We helped them launch a show called the healthy beverage expo. They shut down shortly after we left. Um, but, um, it was that time I some, a friend of a friend had called me up and, and just out of the blue, I'd never met this guy. And he's like, George, I heard you're, you're, you're freed up. And, uh, I just talked to our mutual friend and let's start a pot trade show. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And, and, and like I said, you know, there was a period in my time where like, I really wasn't, you know, using cannabis on an active basis. It wasn't legal. It was hard to get, um, you know, I wasn't, you know, swimming in the same circles I used to. Um uh, uh, though I probably was swimming in those same circles. Um the um, and and so that led to uh, a small company and Holland Ventures reaching out and asking me if they if I would be interested in their job as a publisher and I'm like, I'm not really a publisher like I you know more of a kind of a business media person like you know, the trade shows are really what you know a business media company you know kind of feeds itself on and and the the content, platform side of it is really an important part because you can create a relationship with the community. You can connect with them on a daily, weekly basis, um, help build audience and and drive people to your event through that content platform. But it's really the trade shows that are the profit center of a business media company. So they said that's what they wanted. Um, and I came in there at, at, and at the time it was MMJ Business Daily. They were completely rebranding everything to Cannabis Business Media. And I'm like, well, stop. Like, you know, that's just <laughs> the wrong direction. Um, and, you know, I, I had to build a lot of systems and infrastructure for the company to be able to position it to scale. And, and you know, they'd just done a show with 20 tabletops, not too dissimilar to, uh, you know, my first show at the Debbie Reynolds Hotel Casino yeah. Museum. <laughs> Um, And, you know, really actually be able to to define this and build this as a true trade show experience, which the industry really hadn't seen to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, There was only one other operator that had done a show in Seattle um, that was somewhat of a sloppy, you know, kind of less than professional experience, even though he was going around saying he's going to professionalize the trade show industry. (laughs) Um, but um, you know it was it was an exciting ride, and and you know the growth that we had was was tremendous. I mean, you know, it was the fastest growing trade show in the United States of all trade shows when I ran it, um, and a lot of that had to do more, not so much that I, I had some magic formula. I just knew how to trim the sails and 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 kind of harness the wind that was behind this movement around legalization. It's just one more kind of piece in the entire ecosystem that drives our entire industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I was very proud of my work there, um, but there was also something that I knew very, very keenly when I was there is that this industry, you know, at the time, you know, MJ biz, and it still is to this day, is really a supply side show. Um, it's light bulbs, it's label makers, it's consultants. Uh, but I always knew that this was a canna- is, cannabis is a consumer packaged goods industry. It's yeah. like the alcohol industry or any other type of food product or, or consumable good. Um, and the most important show in those industries is always a brand to retail focused trade show, like the Consumer Electronics Show, like the Natural Products Expo, and I could go on and on and on, mm-hmm. um, of shows that are really in the dominant position in those industries. Because when you look at, at our market, the brands and the retailers have a shared responsibility and partnership to create trust and transparency with the ultimate hero in our journey, which is the, re- is the consumer. Um, they're the ones who are creating the products. Um, have to be able to deliver on that that safety and efficacy um, as a brand. The retailers need to create an experience that's inviting and welcoming, um, that customers are are excited to try new products or engage new categories. Um, and we just see this as just such an important subsegment in of industry now that we've gotten so big as a market. Um, you know, this type of subsegmentation, like our event that we'll talk about in a second, MJ Impact, is really focused on how do we help lift up and, 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 and really serve that segment of the industry as the front line of reaching the consumer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually made a note when we kind of started this whole podcast of when you were helping your father with these, you know, these resellers and stuff, and it was absolutely basically the same thing that you've done now with MJ, MJ impact, which is take, you know, the B2B aspect where the B2B aspect is 100% focused around consumer package goods. And so that's all this is. And I love, how you pointed out how MJ Biz I think that's kind of what we're all thinking there's I think the, the professionals that are in the industry now we look at MJ Biz as like yikes you know it's like it's kind of like a daunting experience to go to MJ Biz itself whereas we almost feel like it's a requirement now to go to Vegas during the same time because there's so many business connections to be made that's where everybody's just congregating but there wasn't you know MJ Biz is almost just too big to facilitate those you know interpersonal relationships and things that drive you know sales and
0: yeah and listen I mean they've done a great job continuing uh, on the trajectory I put them on and and Chris Walsh who was the only employee over there when I when I took the job at MG, at, at the company is the CEO and I you know hats off to them I mean it's a very important show for the industry but. Um, you know, again, I think that we're starting to see the sub segmentation where we're playing to where the puck's going as opposed to where the puck's been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with MJ Biz, it is overwhelming. But, you know, one of the things that we've kind of really, you know, focused on differentiating ourselves is that we qualify every attendee that comes into our show. And that way, you know, instead of going to a big show like that, that's overwhelming and maybe one out of 40 or 50 people might be somebody that you want to have a conversation with. And then you've kind of got to hunt them down and and hope you bump into them in that big, big exhibit hall is, um, you know, our events designed. So that four out of five people that you're going to bump into are somebody you want to have a conversation with that you want to get to know that you want to build a relationship with. And the other thing that we really want to focus on too, is it's not about size. It's about quality is, you know, being able to bring people together and, and, and how business gets done at trade events. Like we've taken a lot of our experience, our own personal experience, going to events as attendees um, and what we've seen successful in other markets. And, you know, the idea of the, the traditional trade show of having kind of all of these booths and you're walking down, and you're handing out business cards and you're getting your badge scan can be a very effective solution for lead generation. But it doesn't drive transactional value. What drives transactional value is being able to sit down and have a conversation with somebody and understand them, look them in the eye. Because you don't do business with companies, you do business with people. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really kind of a core tenant of our, our event design is to really create the, those those opportunities for people to connect on a meaningful level, have space throughout the event for them to sit down and grab conversations. When you walk into our registration area, we have a massive bar set up, we have soft seating, we have foosball tables, we're gonna bring <laughs> in local entertainers to play guitar. and. Mm saxophone and, and just really create a a really cool energy and, and vibe throughout the whole show. I
2: like that I love that yeah because I feel like I mean we've gone to MJ MJBiz um, you know on behalf of companies in the past and we were just like it was so daunting I mean you're just like walking around like trying to find somebody to like give a business card to just so you could be like oh I gave away you know my 50 business cards or whatever and those people weren't even the people you needed to speak with they had just talked to 500 people before you and 400 mm-hmm. people after and they don't really care and it's just like not a win-win for anybody we always joke and I mean even the people in our circles like everybody's going to MJ biz just to go for the parties, for the parties. they're not actually going <laughs> well, and, and that, things that was are happening the, there
0: that, that's kind of my fault to some extent because you know when I when I took over as uh, uh, the president of the company I mean I done this when I've, I've ran other companies I write down three priorities um, one was to put in the infrastructure and the systems internally to be able to scale the business um, second was to really establish the, the brand um, and, and kind of came up with the MJ Biz, MJ Biz Daily, mm-hmm. and this kind of brand family that really kind of interlaced each other. And the third thing was to make our event the must-attend event because there was a lot of people coming into the space. And so um, it's not rocket science in, in some capacities, but it's, it's just looking at the simple things, looking at the pain points companies that we we, we I set our, our business up I had to fire the decorator they had um, and bring in somebody else that could handle it but you know hosted everybody's freight because you know trade shows have this policy where you go in and then the organizer basically gets a lot of stuff for free or doesn't pay much because the contractors basically bill the crap out of the exhibitors mm. for material handling charges and it's a terrible experience because somebody's coming to set up a booth and then they the morning of the show, they have a a bill for $3,000 for the one pallet they moved across the trade show floor and they're pissed. And that's not a good way for that. Somebody who's going to be selling that day to start their morning. Right. So, um, but the function of that from our end was that it encouraged people to bring in larger exhibits Mm -hmm. um, and set up bigger booths. Uh, So they got to see things that they wouldn't be able to see at at other shows. Um, I went out and I got Ben Cohen to come and speak at our show. I got Ralph Nader to come and speak at our show and really kind of started this kind of pathway of bringing in some bigger keynote speakers that were relevant to the cannabis industry that they wouldn't typically hear from. Um, the other thing that um, I did is I went out and I reached out to a bunch of other groups. Um, the owners weren't very um, keen on on you know hosting a big party. Um, this can be very expensive. And I said, we don't have to. And, and I got a bunch of other groups at the time. I think it was uh, Women Grow, Dixie Elixirs, uh, NCIA, other groups to have these parties after the show. And <laughs> The idea is that, you know, now we're extending the content in a city like Las Vegas, which has, you know, immeasurable entertainment options for you, yep. for people to go out and really kind of let their hair down and have a good time. And and then it also creates that water cooler moment in the morning. Like, did you go to that part? Did you hear <laughs> that this happened? You know, did yeah. you see that? Um, it was in the news, you know. You got to get um, on the it, list. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's it's you know um, you know, people like to have a good time, certainly in our industry, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of mushroomed a little bit out of control, I think during MJ biz. But going back to, that, listen, I, I this isn't about, you know, we are holding our event at the same time as MJ Bizcon in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay Hotel. And it's not that we're trying to compete with them. And I'm very like I said, I'm very proud of, of what I was able to create over there and very proud of the work that they've continued to do after I left. Um, but you know what you said to me is not uncommon and it's it's a lot of the seasoned people in this industry, aren't looking for light bulbs and label makers, but they're going to Las Vegas because that's when most of the people are in town. So it's the best time to schedule as many meetings and create efficiency yep. in their schedules as possible. Um, and there's a couple of key groups there, like the brands and the retailers especially, um, they need access to capital. So you got venture capital firms set up all over town and, and Poseidon's over at the Wynn and Arcadian's over at the Cosmo and, and, and people end up spending half of their week in a cab line. And it's just, yep. that's one of the things people hate. Uh, standing in line, right? Whether they're waiting for a reg badge or they're waiting for a cab, um, it's just, we all get impatient. And um, so we're doing some of the things that we're doing. Our event is specifically for CPG brands and retail executives, but also accredited investors. And we've created um, an area of our show called VC Central at MJ Impact. And we've got these business suites and boardrooms specifically for the venture capital firms to set up at our show have the privacy that they need to be able to have sensitive meetings, um, whether with their portfolio investors or portfolio companies, potential investments. Um, and so, you know, we have Arcadian and Poseidon and Entourage Effect and Panther Capital and Kenney Ventures and West Creek Investments and a number of other venture capital firms that are all basically in these business suites. As you come into our show, you have the huge lounge area. Um, we have a, a main stage that's going to have some exceptionally high level content focused on retailers. Um, we've got our money stage where companies that are looking to raise capital can pitch in front of an audience of accredited investors, family offices, and then our brand experience hall, instead of creating that trade show North and South kind of civic engineering kind of grid plan. Um, you know, we, we really want to kind of create a retail experience for people. Um, we also know that, that we're ahead of where we ha- we don't have a national market for brands, um, and retailers yet. So, so brands to exhibit from, say, coming from Washington or Oregon or Massachusetts into Las Vegas is a foreign market. So we're not trying to create a transactional event um, where a brand's going to be there and a salesperson is going to sell to a bud tender or a store manager. We're really bringing the people in at a senior level to talk about partnering. And so brands can set up their showcase. They don't have to be stuck in the booth. It's about 80% less than it would cost them to buy a booth at any of the big national shows. And um, we have the event technology that somebody can scan a QR code, download a product brochure, which creates a lead gen for the, for the brand. Mm-hmm. But they can direct message the brand reps and say, I'm standing in front of your showcase. I really want to bring your product to Oklahoma. Can we meet? <laughs> and then Come we on. have the space throughout the event for them to meet. They can also schedule time on, on people's calendars for later in the day or the next day. Huh. Um, and just using that technology uh, in and around the event. Um, the yep. one thing I'm probably most excited about is... Um, and then and we have a huge meeting area in the middle there that, you know, again, creating those seating opportunities for people to have conversation. But um, I really wanted to bring a gong into the show. <laughs> and I wanted people to bang the gong. Oh, when my And they gosh. have a deal done. So now Bang yes. Chocolates. yeah, Bang Chocolates in our show. And so they're going to sponsor the bang Oh, gong. my God, That's so perfect. <laughs> um, and then, um, but I found this gong and there's actually a website called Gongs Unlimited. If you guys want to shop for some gongs. <laughs> Um, that, that, that I found this gong and, and they all have kind of these background stories, but there's one that's called the flower of life gong. Ooh, and I'm like, Holy crap, this is perfect. Yeah. And actually it's got six circles on it with a center circle to all kind of interlace. So it's got seven circles on it as sacred geometry. Yep. Um, uh, and, and obviously seven leaves of the marijuana plant. And, um, it's a healing energy gong. And, um, it's just, it's a perfect fit. So we're going to have so this big cool. gong in there and people can bang the gong. And, and for whatever reason, if they just want to create some positive karmic yeah. energy, yeah. like they can feel done or uh, whatever reason they want.
2: That's so fun. Cause we've had an episode about sound bath healing and we've been really yeah. tuning into like sound vibrations. So yeah. that's great. Yeah,
1: that's great. Mm. Well, I just kept thinking the whole time is like, how wonderful does this whole experience sound? Because it's almost like the pain that we all feel when we go to like another trade show is like you you like intentionally set out to solve some of those challenges of like the meeting and having to stand at a booth the yeah. whole time and people
0: and can get their badges mailed so they don't have to wait in line for four hours when they get to our show.
1: That is like some next level shit right there. Like that is like <laughs> some great self awareness and just like thinking not, about others.
0: It's, it's it, you know what it is. It's hospitality. Yep. And um, you know we this is a business and and this is I think our biggest point. Like we don't want to be a transactional business. We're not going to you know tell people you know. You know, please, you know, send us a deposit and we'll schedule an appointment to pick your booth. Like, we're not building transactions here, we're building relationships. So, like, this is how you elevate the community. This is how you engage with the people that you're doing business with. I mean, there are customers and we're inviting them into our temporary, albeit home at the Mandalay Bay. And I know how I want to be treated as a guest. Yeah. Um, and so it just really comes down to is that you know, the, the the kind of art of the show is a little bit about that hospitality. Yes, there's a commercial aspect of it. You need to drive value. Like what yeah. is, what's gonna create value for somebody coming to our show is that they sat down with 10 people that their like mind is blown and that they're gonna do business with, but they didn't just grab a business card. Yeah. They had a conversation with them. Um, and um, it's also, you know, a little PT Barnumness ness um, of, you know, bringing in stuff like the foosball tables yeah. and the gong. Um, and probably, actually, I should say the gong is the second most ex- thing I'm excited about. <laughs> What's the, the thing about exci- <laughs> The thing I'm most excited about is that we are putting the band back together. Uh, Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd will oh be my gosh. live oh, man. at the House of Blues. Um, it's a separate ticketed event, but it's exclusive to MJ Unpacked attendees. And 100% of the net proceeds are going to go to Last Prisoner Project and help get some of our brothers and sisters out of jail. How, how, our, how
2: are you leaving us in the dark on that? That's that is like so cool. Epic.
0: <laughs> I just got off the phone with Jim today. So, oh my there gosh. You go. um, but we've been planning this for a while and it was like, I had this vision, like, I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could you know, bring together something people would never see before. And it was like, you know, could we get like Snoop Dogg, Willie Nelson and Melissa Etheridge to do a <laughs> right. concert. Right. And you know, when I saw what Jim was doing in the industry, I, I have to say, like he is one of the most authentic celebrity mm-hmm. cannabis people. Period. Absolutely. Um, you know. Um, you know. Certainly, Melissa Etheridge and and Willie Nelson. I mean, no, no disrespect. I mean, the authenticity and Snoop Dogg. I mean, like nobody's going to question that they don't smoke pot, right? Um, but you know, Jim just he's just a salt of the earth kind of guy, like you know the the, the guy next door and. He's figuring it out and making mistakes, just like the rest of us. Yep. Um, but he's deeply entrenched into what he's doing and why he's doing it. And he's on the board or he's an advisor of uh, of Last Prisoner Project, and he's he's really bought in the mission. Steve D'Angelo is going to also be speaking at our event, um, and uh, Steve's been a big you know thought leader to Jim on on his support for Last Prisoner Project, and and um, we're we're just we're just. Incredibly grateful for the number of people that have stepped up and want to support this event and want something different.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It makes me excited, really.
0: I know
1: really. It, oh, yeah. it absolutely is something different too. And I think, you know, we didn't really touch on this too much, but where the industry is heading, that's kind of where we alluded to this. And it wasn't necessarily a knock on any of MJ biz and what they're doing. It's just that I think this is a next level thing. This is just the next yeah. level of the industry and just how things matured. And you know, you really you guys are just taking it to a another level where you recognize where this industry has to go, but then you're providing the the experience really, which is like what well, we're all chasing here, whether it's a retail dispensary or a brand or something, everybody's trying to create the next experience. And you guys are literally putting together the experience so that this can, you know, go across, you know, well, multiple you. states.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And, and the idea is again, is, is, you know, all of these brands and the retailers are looking at, at, you know, we have this, tsunami, and, and this is kind of fundamental to our, our concept too, we are going to reach federal legalization at some point. Um, we might see interstate commerce before that. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not a regulator and a lawyer, um, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we already have companies that are, are operating in multiple states, you know, some big MSOs that are operating in, in dozens of states. Um, but, you know, everybody realizes that for them to be able to create a successful brand that they got to make a decision. Do they want to be something that, you know, they can find wherever they go across America or do they want to be, you know, a localized brand True. that the True. current market kind of forces them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what does that look like? And so, you know, they need to find those partnerships with other States They need to know what's going on in other States, see what, what other brands are doing to innovate, what other retailers are doing to innovate. And, you know, for better or worse, I just feel that um, you know the best learning comes from peer to peer learning, where you're talking to somebody who's done what you've, you're trying to do or made mistakes before you have to make them yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and I think that that really helps people grow, and they can connect to those people very well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we just had this guy on our show, um, Mike Baudry of Herbal and yeah. the cannabis distribution in California. And like, I don't know, we've never had anybody on our show to talk to us about distribution and supply chain. So it's a whole new subject for us. But I'm thinking somebody like that would be perfect at these trade shows, you know, to talk to these smaller mom and pops, to give them no. even just the idea that like you could theoretically start to distribute, you know, in other states, if that becomes legal for you and an option. So people like and, and, that would be perfect. And Herbal just
0: just acquired a company in, in Nevada. So they're obviously expanding their distribution footprint footprint. Um, Mike's a great guy. Um, You know, when I was running the World Tea Expo, I mean, we had a lot of relationships in the natural products industry, went to the Natural Products Expo. Mm -hmm. And you probably knew him there. Yeah. So he (laughs) used to run, United Natural Foods Inc. And um, so like, you know, seeing somebody of that caliber and the team he's put together with like Art Smuck, who's, you know, came from FedEx and, and the logistics expertise that they brought on. On board is great. Um, Navis is, um, you know, exhibiting at our show, and they're uh, a top sponsor. They've got over 100 brands in the California market that they're distributing for, um, and they're expanding, you know, outside of the state as well. Um, you know, distribution is certainly a, a key part of that, and and you know, they're a licensed um, business that would certainly be welcome to attend our show. Um, some of them are are going to choose to exhibit. We're seeing some of the um, kind of contract manufacturers and co-packers that are yeah. licensed, you know, want to jump into this show because they can set up a booth and say, hey, if you want to bring your brand to Nevada, we have the capacity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so it's really kind of connecting all of those those different layers. And and I don't want to say when we say CPG brands and retailers that we're excluding the cultivators and the growers. I mean, if without the growers, we wouldn't have any marijuana. <laughs> um But, you know, most of the growers are brands, Um, whether they realize it or not, as soon as they put their bud in a jar and put their name on it, um, it's a CPG product.
1: Yep. Well, even more so, I think even I've seen it in a lot of different markets, uh, that flour itself is quite literally being packaged into eighths and and, and such. And so it, it has absolutely become a CPG, just like any other product.
0: Yep. Now uh, pre rolls jars, bags, whatever, um dime bags, whatever um, <laughs> i want to go back to I want to go back uh, and just chat about you you mentioned the parallels with the tea industry and yep. um, yep. kind of I kind of skipped over that, but what was really interesting is when i when I took over and got in this industry back in 2014, it was the same as the tea industry because you didn't know what the retail model looked like. people were trying to figure it out the same with the tea industry, you know coffee, you know you can kind of turn a customer every two minutes, you know, at the counter, you know, tea people want to come in and spend $10 on a pot of tea and sit at a table for four hours (laughs) um, and and expect free, free, free refills. Um, You know, so it was a little bit challenging model for them to figure out um, what they were doing. Uh, But what was really interesting is that, you know, tea, as you kind of learn about the kind of um, kind of phytochemicals that are in there, um, they're called catechins and flavonoids, um, not cannabinoids, but, You know, they behave very similar to a lot of cannabinoids in the sense that they cross a blood brain barrier and they can have a psychotropic effect on you, Mm -hmm. um, such as L-theanine, which is a non-essential amino acid that actually increases alpha wave activity in your brain, which causes you to calm. Mm -hmm. So that's why tea was used by the Buddhist monks, because it would create a calm state of alertness balanced with the L-theanine and the caffeine. So that they wouldn't get the jitters when they're trying to meditate, like on the top of a mountain wearing a robe, um, you know, a a small sheet and (laughs) freezing their (laughs) ass. Yeah. Um, They could actually meditate, meditate properly. But what was really interesting is that I had a friend, um, the company we sold World Tea to was a a big book publisher. Um, So when we sold the company, they wanted somebody to write a book called Everything Tea because they had an everything series, kind of like the dummy series or, Mm -hmm. you know, type of thing. So this uh, good friend of mine, Babette Donaldson, was a great, great writer. I, I got her to write the book for him and the book got printed and published. And I had you know, I called him up. I was like, can I get a copy at least? <laughs> um, and so uh, I got a copy sent to me and I jumped on a plane. I was heading from like Las Vegas, where I lived, up to Seattle for uh, uh, a coffee show at the time. And I literally opened the book to a page that talked about how what everybody in the tea industry knew which is that tea was allegedly discovered by Emperor Shenyang, who lived 5,000 years ago in China. Hmm. And he was alleged to have a translucent stomach so he could see what was happening in his body when he consumed plant-based medicine. Um, and he's known as the father of, of modern herbal medicine, hmm. but she wrote a passage about how he's also accredited for discovering cannabis. And I'm like, holy oh, shit. Wow. And I was like, it was right at the time when I was talking about To this guy about starting a pot show and getting in this industry. I'm like, this is a sign. That's your sign from the universe. That's the sign from the universe. I'm gonna be working for the same guy, Emperor Shen Young. There you
2: go. That That
1: is pretty solid. I love that. (laughs) I mean, that like the parallels, you can't get any better than that. (laughs) They have the same (laughs) route. They do. That is a cool thank you for sharing that.
2: Yeah, thank you for circling back on that because we're big proponents of tea and cannabis and yogis.
0: About yeah, story. why not, right? All of that. Well, I think we, are, created... we all need a little bit more calmness in our lives these days. Oh, <laughs> well, we do, True yeah. That.
1: Yeah, sometimes you gotta you gotta supplement the cannabis with tea and other things.
0: <laughs> so, um, uh, before I forget, to, as well, the, you know, you introduced me as obviously um, producing MJ unpack. Um, we actually also publish MJ brand insights. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, um, or your readers haven't, um, certainly encourage you to check it out. Uh, it's a free subscription. Um, And we're really, again, trying to take a little bit different tack. There's a lot of publications out there that are doing a great job covering the news. Certainly MJ Biz, um, Marijuana Ventures, MG Retailer, and go on and on, uh, Cannabis Business Executive. Um, And they do a great job covering the news. What we're really trying to focus on is is kind of bringing those other stories to life. Um, You know, really stuff that can be actionable intelligence, um, success stories from retailers and brands. Um, new products that are coming to the market and that type of innovation. Um, and we've got a phenomenal managing editor, Felisa Rogers, um, who's based down in Deadwood, Oregon, that's been doing just a, a amazing job along with a great team of uh, writers that we have on our staff. That's awesome. Cool. I want to yeah. check that out.
1: Yeah. I love kind of what you said earlier with, um, you know, the, the content really pairs well to the trade shows because I think it does. I think it gives people, well, For first of all, for your business, I guess, it just keeps, you know, you in touch with, with these people who come to your trade show year round. then I think I was thinking about just the, just the simple element of bringing all these people together in a room for three to five days. I mean, can you imagine the amount of content that is just sitting there already? (laughs) There's like so much content just there. So, you know, it almost makes it easy to probably put together content for year round because there's so many just personal stories and, and different things that people may discover while just, you know, communicating in person with each other.
0: Yeah, but even even with our event, you know, being two or three thousand people as opposed to thirty thousand people, um, it is overwhelming, right? Because it's like it's just you going from conversation, your head spinning, and you've got all these ideas, and you're meeting all these amazing people, and it's like yeah, it's it's the kid in candy store, right? And and you know, it's coming out of COVID. Um, you know, we we actually founded this company right before COVID and got funded right before COVID hit. Oh man. And you know, last year was interesting, but you know, for our company we um we had an event venue's planned, but we hadn't launched our marketing yet, so we didn't have to walk back the event. We didn't have to, you know, mm-hmm. renegotiate with our vendors. We didn't have, you know, tons of capital laid out for these events. We didn't have to argue with our customers telling them we're not going to give them their money back. But, you know, really find, you know, look at it and say, how can we, you know, jump in and provide a solution? And, you know, we launched a virtual trade show. We were the first in the cannabis industry to launch a virtual trade show. Um, we did three of them. We did one for the Colorado market, one for California, one for the Midwest markets, um, really focusing on the brands and the retailers. Um, and, and then we had great content sessions in there. People, you know, watch the sessions, ask questions. They could chat with any other attendee on, on the on in the event environment. Um, they still just weren't there. Right. Like, I mean, you just can't replicate the opportunity to be in person and look at somebody in the eye and have a conversation, read their body language. Um, And, and just kind of, we have that kind of primate, primate, you know, need of being social creatures. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I flew down last week to a dinner event in Los Angeles. I mean, it took me a half a day to fly down there and, you know, lost the next half of a day flying back. But, man, it was just so nice to see so many of my friends and and people in this industry and meet so many new people. Um, If I had the opportunity to do that every night, I would. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, In-person is just totally different.
2: Well, that's why I think everybody should be excited about this event, because not only are we back in person with all of our friends, it's a very new experience that I think we're all kind of dying to experience out in Vegas. So how can people sign up or get more info?
0: Sure. They can uh, visit our website, www. I don't know. Does anybody even say (laughs) www anymore? Or am I dating myself? (laughs) Um, It's mjunpacked, dot com, and mjbrandinsights. Again, just spelled out like you would expect it to be. And um, that's our content platform. So you can find information on the site. Um, We, if they're interested in um, exhibiting at our show or having their brand at our show, um, they can fill out a form online. They can call us up. Um, they can email me, um, George at jagemedia.com. And uh, again, you know, we're building a community, so it's really um, in a very specific community, um, so that that there's a highest amount of value and really it's about re- delivering on a return on objectives, um, so that people feel that the investment of time that they make coming to our show. Um, is going to be something that pays off in spades for them. I love that. Yeah, yeah, cool.
1: Well, I think what you guys have created is absolutely a necessity, really, moving forward. And I think you guys are going to find a very happy place of success for yourself. And also at the okay. same time, I think you're going to establish a lot of great momentum for these brands and different people. As you know, we yep. keep pushing towards federal legalization. That's the ultimate goal.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I, somebody somebody said to me when I was at that dinner party said that um, we'll see federal legalization after the midterm elections. I said, I what? think so. And and his argument was that, you know, the number of states that have legalized since the last election cycle, like eight or nine states, I mean, all of their senators should be pro cannabis votes in the Senate now. So regardless of the left, right, Democrat, Republican, you know, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're standing on, um, that we should have enough votes to see some type of progressive cannabis legislation and federal legalization shortly thereafter. Um, I'm an optimist, so I'm certainly hopeful for that. Um, uh, but it's gonna come quick. And the, a lot of these retailers and brands that are operating single or or couple of products or have a localized distribution, like they need to have the resources, they need to be able to connect with the with the capital, they need to build these partnerships with other people and and you know, I want them to survive. Yeah. Yep.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, cool. All right, George. Well, we have one final question. We are the lit and lucid podcast. So, are you lit or are you lucid?
0: My lit or my lucid? Can I be both? Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> can you be lit and lucid? I think oh, yeah. you can. You gotta yeah, find the balance, the balance. <laughs> that's the balance, right? That's it. Yin and yang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, yin and the yang, right? That's As it. above, so below. Like, there is no, um, it's uh, one of my favorite lines is uh, from Kung Fu Panda. It's like. I got bad news. Oh, there is no bad news. There's only news. Ah, there it is. Um, That's it. You know, but it's um. Uh, and then I think he tells the news and he says, "Oh, that is bad news." <laughs> um, bad news. Um, but no, it's it's. Listen, life is is especially in the cannabis industry can be so challenging, so fast paced, um, and you know, giving ourselves the opportunity to just unwind, hang out, listen to Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd jam some blues out That's at great. the House of Blues. Bang a gong, grab a drink, (laughs) play some foosball.
2: Oh, man. That
0: sounds, sounds, sounds kind of lit. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds lit, but then lit.
2: it's lucid too. So. With all the conversations going on. That is so lit definitely. and lucid. <laughs> <laughs> all right, George. Well, thanks so much. We appreciate you being on the show.
0: Yep, we appreciate it. Thank you, Thank you so much, Jared and uh, Lucy. Really appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. There we go. <laughs> we'll
2: be there. All right, <laughs> all you guys. With that, I'm lit.
0: I'm lucid. And
2: that's it.
1: Laters. Have you ever felt like you needed a midday boost? Something to keep the brain juices flowing, but not to the point of your head spinning? That was us just a few years ago, trying to balance the demands of life while still trying to be present for the things that bring the passion out of us, like our podcast.
2: Jared and I normally record our podcasts after work and really started to dread them because we'd be burnt out by the time the recording came around. And I'll admit that sometimes we'd even skip the gym just to conserve our energy. Who wants to skip the gym?
1: I I don't like missing the gym, so we had to figure something out. Early last year, we started exploring the world of mushrooms and found a handful of ancient mushrooms really seemed to give us an edge. We spent the remainder of the year optimizing a blend of mushrooms, adaptogens, and CBD to give us the best of both worlds, to be more lit and lucid throughout the day, a little more energy, a little more cognition, and a healthy dose of stress relief.
2: I sure know I can use more energy and focus to get through my day. Our balanced Blend capsules are handcrafted with love right here in Colorado made with all natural ingredients, vegan and lab certified.
1: And each serving contains 33 milligrams of Colorado-grown CBD, and we only use extracted mushrooms from 100% fruiting bodies in our blends, so you know it's the best.
2: Ready to give them a try? Visit www.litlucid.com and use code LIT20 for 20% off your first order. Join the lifestyle today.